All right, all right, all right. How's everyone doing tonight? Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I really want to thank you guys for listening, getting this thing grooving and rolling. Uh, if you guys could do me a quick favor, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, review the podcast, like it, share it with your friends and family, follow me on Instagram at Back to Your Story, uh, and let's just get this thing going. So I want to take a quick moment and talk about our sponsor. That's Jupiter, the stress alleviating tincture. It's the best stuff, guys. I uh, take it on a daily basis, especially for me, you know, the ups and downs of life. Uh, it really kind of just helps take the edge off, especially I noticed it at the end of a long day. Um, they're USD organic certified. Uh, I cannot talk about it more. It's something that I share with all my friends and family, and they're doing something special for you guys. It's called the Jupiter Journey. It's a two-week supply, and uh, it's traditionally 29 bucks. But for you guys, you guys are going to get it for $19. That's $10 off. Go get it now. Go to getjupiter.com. Use the code STORYTIME. And who do we have on tonight? This is a near and dear friend of mine. I've known him forever. I mean, I swear, I think like 20 years. That's Mr. Jason Fishman. Uh, He is one of the most talented human beings I know. He's a marketing genius. It is so cool to see uh, where we came from and where he is at today. You guys' minds are going to be freaking blown. I know there's a lot of great information in this, uh, and it was an amazing podcast to do. Big shout out to Mr. Jason Fishman. All right, guys, let's get to it. From the land of mystery, where dreams become reality. Always listening to stories from the past, the present, and the future. This is Back to Your Story. Jason Fishman is here. Dude, how are you doing? I'm awesome. Life is beautiful. 2020, it's all happening. Dude, that is... Is it weird for you to say that it's 2020? Not really. Just kind of going with it. It's new decade. I understand it's the pretense for the next 10 years, and it's going to keep evolving in terms of my perspective on it, but uh, it's rad. It's, uh, you know, every year up until this point, it was like, it was never like anything to me. But when I started writing out 2020 and I saw it like on paper, I was like, oh my God, it just, I don't know. It kind of tripped me out because I grew up always like hearing about like the roaring twenties, the roaring twenties. And then you look back at a certain time and, and now it's 2020 and a hundred years from now, people will be saying the same shit. I'm still waiting for my hoverboard whenever that comes around. <laughs> hey, man, we're getting close. I don't know about a hoverboard, but uh, the technology that we have today, I mean, it's just freaking mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. So you and I have known each other for 20 years? Better part of my life. Kind of crazy to think about. It's so weird. How old are you now? I'm 33. 33 years old. And You're supposed to make people guess when they ask your age, but I'll just tell you. I don't give a shit. I actually knew the answer if I just took a second because we're the same exact age. I've always felt like you were older than me, though. Yeah, I act much older, more mature, yeah. responsible. <laughs> no, no, I, I was a grade older than you yeah. um, when we went to high school together. Um, but, uh, but you obviously acted, you know, older for your age, and that's why we got along. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's so crazy, though, how fast time flies. To think that we're 33 years old now um, and I've known you since high school, it just seems like this. And the older you get, the faster it goes. 
growing up in Santa Clarita, I see this damn fly. Growing up in Santa Clarita, um, when you were younger, you've always been the business type person. I mean, it's just you've always been an entrepreneur of sorts. Was that something instilled into you by your parents or is it something that you've just learned along the way? You know, when you talk to CEOs or various types of entrepreneurs, they normally sold candy as a kid yeah. or lemonade or something. It's an inherent drive. I, I see numbers, you know, like I wanted to correct you when you said 20 years and say it's actually been 18. And like, I just, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I could feel the numbers. I could tell you if you spend X amount of dollars, how many, how much budget that is for the day, the month, the year, 10 yeah. years, uh, what type of return you'd have to see to make it. Uh, all come together and make sense. It's just, you, you see it, you see opportunity. It comes around like that. Um, yeah, my parents definitely uh, brought me up to be understanding of what the dollar is, how to use it, how to uh, operate within the system, how to sure. talk to teachers if you have a late assignment, <laughs> how to manage your allowance and therefore, you know, your, your holdings at the end of the month. So, you know, that was part of it. It's not like they sat down and had a chalkboard or anything mm -hmm. like that, but my dad always put in his two cents. My mom always made sure I was, you know, acting the right way in that regard. So, you know, it's a combination of everything, but, uh, yeah, I, I have fun with it at this age, I'll tell you that. That's awesome, man. I, uh, I When you're talking about numbers and your parents, you know, really speaking to you about that, it made me think of one of my uh, hosts and actually the guy that created my intro mm. uh, and does all my editing. His name's Stephen Gizzy. He's 26 years old and his parents, his dad grew him up, uh, grew him up on a, a thought philosophy called the Bank of Dad. And it's just really about instilling uh, you know, saving for the future and, you know, these different types of learning tools that, you know, for most kids, we don't learn in high school. Uh, and it's something that I see in individuals when their parents kind of pass these things down along to them, down to them, uh, the type of person they are years later. You growing up, who would you say was some of the people that you would look up to when you were younger? I mean, I wasn't, you know, reading books on Warren Buffett as a kid or okay. anything like that. Uh, taking it further enough back, it was, it was baseball. Right. I think you played baseball as a definitely, kid, too. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, you know, there's video of me from the time I could talk, you know, talking about all my favorite players that, uh, on the Dodgers. I was at the 1988 World Series as yeah. a baby. And uh, my heroes were definitely in that, in that regard. It was everything. My... Uh, Obsessive qualities would be in context of sports and primarily around baseball. That later turned to skateboarding. Okay. Uh, somewhere around third grade, specifically fifth grade, that became a big part of my identity, which led the path for later in my life and early stages in career. But yeah, that's where my head was at. Music became a big thing for me at that point too. If I wasn't skating, I was at home watching MTV <laughs> and uh, that led into, you know, at first it's like alternative music bands okay. that used to be punk bands and were making music videos back in 1996-ish, 94 through 97s when I really first started watching it. So you think about mid-90s music, some gangster rap in there yes. as well too, uh, but looked up to people like that for a minute as That's a right. young little kid and you think you're older than you are. Always. Uh, but um, punk uh, I had mentioned hardcore metal became more of my music interest in junior high, high school. Um, 
snowboarding is a big part of my life as a theme, but that really didn't become the case till like high school. For sure. Uh, right after high school, I moved to Mammoth uh, yeah. for a season and, you know, got good at that whole thing. Um, made a lot of friends, still have people that I travel and ride with today. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, some of my heroes at that point, even though it's older, uh, the people I would respect, the people I'd actually get a little nervous to meet in person <laughs> were snowboarders versus, you know, actors or actresses or anything like that. That's awesome. They were superhumans to me at that point and would actually get a ride with some of them directly. But uh, yeah, it evolved. And then much later, college was just, you know, about college. Wasn't looking up to too many people outside of it at that point. But uh, afterwards, it became entrepreneurs. It became successful uh, business leaders, uh, consultants, um, people who advise uh, on entrepreneurs such as Gary Vee, yeah. uh, you know, Tim, Tim Ferriss, mm-hmm. Neil Patel, some of those guys um, uh, I look up to in terms of speaking and packaging content that can really make an impact uh, on projects, on, on small businesses' lives. So, uh, you know, it's, it's gotten full spectrum from... It has. It, it definitely has. I mean, as you're speaking, I kind of hear this evolution of, you know, it started out as baseball and then evolves into skateboarding, yeah. music, and then it gets into snowboarding, and then it evolves into business. What was that kind of, you know, dynamic shift if you look back? Because for the longest time, it was very sports-oriented, but then you hit college and it evolves into business. I mean, obviously I've known you for a long time, so I know you've always been business-minded, but for the people you're looking up to, it's definitely not, uh, for, for a good portion of your life, it's not business-oriented. There's something that happened. Can you kind of pinpoint that by any means? Yeah, I stopped trying to be a pro snowboarder or baseball player, <laughs> so looked up to people who were doing things that I could ultimately participate in. Uh, no, I mean, it's all a matter of what you think is cool, if you will, uh, what you respect, what you look up to. So as a kid, you know, with conventional sports later on, uh, with, uh, I hate saying alternative sports or anything like that, but stuff that would get you going a little bit more, a little scarier, more risk involved. And for that reason, more impressive. So, you know, and just the whole, uh, you know, another fun word that I don't like using lifestyle behind it. Um, <laughs> it, it was just, uh, it was something that I enjoyed and, and looked up to. So that's why it was in that form. Um, you know, in high school, if you were to ask me what I wanted to do when I was older, yeah. it'd be around skateboarding. Hey, I want to create a skate shop, start a skate brand that runs through it, have lower margins, be able to distribute nationally, internationally, have a dope skate team, you know, of all the top professionals and everything. Uh, in, in college, it would have been something along those lines. But with snowboarding, uh, you know, getting into my career, um, I mean, I, I went to Santa Barbara. It was a, it was a party school. For sure. Um, growing out of all of that and putting the energy I was putting into fun, but at that point, redirecting towards career. Uh, I got into marketing. As uh, which is you know what I am, I'm going to define myself as a marketer, uh, as an action sports consultant. So taking my passions and advising on them for brands. Uh, At 22, 
And, and, and that's when you get some of your most creative ideas. It's like 22 to 25. Fuck, yeah. You haven't been shaped by the world yet. You're just thinking, hey, what would be awesome to put together for this company or for this initiative? For so sure. started working with an agency called MMCA, uh, worked on accounts like Volcom Stone, Nike 6.0, nice. Amp Energy, worked on a video sharing platform, uh, kind of like YouTube, but for Snow Skate Surf. That okay. was later acquired based on the success of some of the marketing initiatives we were rolling out and I was brought in to add that you know strategic expert perspective to these types of uh, brands to the audiences we're going after creating things that were authentic and that would resonate between the brand and the, the users as it's called digitally so given that success there and again operating off things I knew and uh, had been living for yeah. the better part of my existence at that point uh, I was asked hey this is great. Do you want to focus on these other accounts that target Gen Y? Millennials were called Gen Y back then. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, worked on a Snoop Dogg album, worked on all types of fashion campaigns, started going to fashion conferences, uh, trade shows, uh, things in the green vertical that were eco-conscious. We're talking back 2009. Yeah, so, my media creative, right, back in those days. Yeah, exactly. But, damn, that's so crazy. Uh, you know, I, I remember when I moved back to California because I lived in Florida for quite some time and I was doing the dream team, right? And, sure. Uh, yeah, the, the, the music, it's like that That was right around that time. I uh, uh, forgot about that. That's right. That's <laughs> super cool to uh, bring back up here, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, at that time I was totally super focused on music, 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 electro, hip-hop, and trying to make it in that. Sure. And when we had reconnected, um, you were working in marketing and that's kind of the path that you were going down. And I was really surprised to see everything that you were doing at that point. Um, there was kind of like this big gap in time where, you know, I'd moved to Florida for five or six years. Right. Um, and we, we hadn't talked for a while. Um, but I, I do kind of want to dial it back and then we'll move forward. Uh, grow, growing up, your family life, uh, your, your, your parents, I always kind of looked up to everything that was going on with you as an individual, your household, because I kind of grew up in this <laughs> super crazy uh, house and then I'd go over to your house and it was just had this different feeling. How much of your life, regardless, every family has their ups and downs, right? But how much of your life do you attribute to who you are as a person today from the way that your parents raised you? Sure. Um, I mean, you know, we looked good from the outside and yeah. uh, my parents definitely instilled values on me that I repeat in both my actions and uh, communications daily today. But, um, you know, I, I went through you know, and up, uh, what do you call it? A transition from being a kid to a teenager, yeah. uh, just as uh, rough as anyone did in the sense that I was grounded a lot. I was <laughs> not listening to all the rules. I always enjoyed family time. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was a, a whole transitional period there and it, you know, my parents played a huge role, um, Again, in my adult life, uh, which, which happened again around 22, um, first getting involved in the career, first, you know, becoming a whole adult, we were really able to connect at a different level where when I was 13, yes. you know, to, to 18, I was trying not to get in trouble uh, and wasn't able to open up to him 
uh, about everything. And we'd go on family trips, uh, have dinners together, you know, most nights, everything um, was solid. And I always enjoyed it, but there was a, always that element of like, oh, I can't be in trouble. You were being a kid though. Yes. Uh, you were a kid. Uh, but, but no, I mean, my, my parents, uh, you know, made sure I said thank you every time I got out of someone's car yeah. and, you know, invited friends over and, you know, made sure and I ever go to a party empty handed and bring a gift and, uh, you know, when to you know study for tests and make sure I close out the semester well. Like, um, they were always able to uh, mold me into the person that they believed was proper for society. Uh, they, they told me this later on. <laughs> and uh, my dad always said something of, uh, you know, hey, you think I'm being tough now, but, you know, once you're probably right out of college, like, uh, you're going to say, wow, dad, you've really gotten smarter in the past seven years. <laughs> but really, it's just your perspective, the things you're fighting, you later appreciate. And yeah, they're a source of wisdom for me where I could, you know, call them at any point and get a, a you know, uh, organic read on something. That's awesome. Yeah. That's my mom awesome. with, I've found out later is my mom's actually smarter than my dad <laughs> around social topics. Okay. My dad definitely in business. And I've always known that, but, uh, they, they complement each other well. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a big part of who I am in that regard. And I don't really get to talk about it professionally. So it's interesting to, to dive in on that here. It's cool. For sure. Absolutely, man. I think that, uh, parents, play a huge role into an individual's life, the way that they grow up to the person that they become. One thing that I did like about uh, you as well, as I remember even in my own household, there'd be times where I wasn't home for whatever reason and I'd get home and I would see you sitting there talking to my dad, <laughs> you know, and it, it never made sense to me until years later uh, why you're doing that. He's just sharing stories, war stories, whatever it was. But it was the respect, it was the person that your parents instilled into you yeah. um, that gave you that level of respect for, you know, my father, uh, which I found amazing. And I talk about it still to this day. Uh, I, I, I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. Um, so your parents, right? when you're younger, it's hard to see the things that uh, they're trying to instill in you. But as you get older, you realize that. Looking back at your younger self, uh, would there be something that you could share to you know younger kids just trying to make a life for themselves, man? Because people don't realize, or the younger generation doesn't realize uh, until they get older. If there was something that you could say to your younger self, what would it be? <laughs> Quit playing around. Just keep your head down and do what you're supposed to do. <laughs> That's it, right? Don't have all these doubts on why you're, you know, putting in the work, like just, just do it. Like I, I would have stayed more committed to the system, yeah. if you will, uh, high school, college onward. I mean, ultimately <laughs> it would have changed my whole path, but you know, yeah. just saying that I, I, a time has spent more time fighting authority than actually just, again, working within the structure and being able to be as effective as possible through that. Um, and also just stop stressing, yeah. You know, like I, today I'm, you know, I hate it when people say they're so busy and all that shit. But <laughs> if you look at my itinerary for the day, uh, I've been on eight conference calls and meetings before this. I've been talking all day, yeah. uh, another hundred emails and messages that I'll be responding to throughout the course of the day. Uh, I try not to let things go across my desk twice. Okay. I don't want them lingering. I don't want to have to, you know, oh, I have to do this later. So I just boom, 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 just knock it all out. If I had approached my childhood, uh, teenage, uh, you know, early adult years like that, 
I would have spent less time procrastinating or figuring out why I don't want to do something or the emotions around it. For sure. And just knocked it out. Just got it done. That's key. You know? Absolutely. And uh, if, <laughs> if I could transfer that to my younger <laughs> self, um, could be in a sitting different role. But then again, my learnings, my... Uh, my, you know, pathway that I've chosen has brought me to a pretty awesome place for sure. and look at it as just the beginning. So no regret around that. But if I was talking to someone else, it'd be something along those lines. For sure. Uh, don't think about it. Just create your list for the day, knock it out and then move on. Procrastination is, is huge, man. I mean, so many people do it. So to hear uh, someone like yourself, a hundred emails, eight conference calls, uh, this, that, and the other, and you don't want things to come across your desk twice. To most people, that sounds fucking insane, right? <laughs> what is it about you that says, I, I, I just don't want that, you know, because it, it, was there a switch that turned on? Uh, is there a time in your life that you can attribute to that? I, well, what is it? Anything less than that is boring to me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if I'm not like going to the airport every week, if I'm not going to meetings all day long, if I'm not, uh, involved in, uh, as you know, we can talk more about my company later on, if we will. I'm not we'll involved get no, we'll get in 15 to 30 projects at a time, which is the minimum of clientele we take on actually moving those numbers up for this year. Uh, again, I feel like I'm not living the day to the fullest. Uh, every day I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I'm a little bit closer. It's so, so I, I got to take the most value as I can. Um, you know, personal circumstances I've seen uh, people disappear overnight and yeah. uh, got to value it as much as possible. All you got is the present. So I try to stack my present to be as impactful as I can. I and uh, <laughs> I also, uh, I, I, I don't struggle with satisfaction, but I always want more. So once I hit an accomplishment, I soak it in. Uh, I, I congratulate my team or you know whoever's around me. Within three days, three months max, I'm over it. I'm ready to move on to the next thing. <laughs> but that drive is uh, how I'm able to continue to position myself for the next levels. Um, and again, look at what I'm doing is just the beginning. Yeah. Um, the goals I have for this year, the goals I have for the next five years, the next 10 years um, are massive and they all require um, <laughs> daily schedules that make what I'm doing now feel small. You go. know, uh, like I said, I don't like when people say they're, they're too busy, or they're too tired. Like it's, that's all just perspective. If uh, you have too much on your plate, you need to get a bigger plate. For me, it's a game <laughs> of handing off hats. So, you know, I'm not working within things, I'm working on them. Yeah. So I get something in. How do I allocate it so that, you know, it's a sign to get to a point of effectiveness? And, uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just hanging out every day. I love that. Yeah. I love that because you do what you love. Yes. Right? There is a huge uh, amount of the population on the face of this planet that cannot say that. And as you and I both know, finding something that makes you happy and running with it and giving it your all, um, that's the type of life that we should be li living. And unfortunately, that's not what happens to most people. Um you know, to hear your drive and your motivation, it's just, it's fucking awesome, man. It, it, it blows my mind away. And it's so cool to see uh, the person that you have become. Um, and we will, I, I do want to, I want, I'm just trying to, you know, look back at your past and then bring it to the present, right? Yeah. Um, so growing up in Santa Clarita, right? Um, where was that time in your life? All right, you you moved out for the first time and you went to Mammoth. This was after high school, right? Correct. 
that was that first taste of like initial freedom. I'm on my own. Um, do you remember that? Do you remember those feelings when oh, you moved yeah. out? How, what did that feel like? It was one of the best chapters in my life. Okay. I um, moved to Mammoth. Mammoth Mountain uh, generally has the best snow in North America. Damn. And it was their second best season at the time. Damn. I worked in a snowboard shop on the mountain. Some of my friends were getting jobs and rentals and you know food and beverage, things like that. Um, all selling snowboards and working with reps. I'd go on ride breaks every day, <laughs> ride deep pow, uh, you know, learned how to throw flips and jump off big cliffs. And That's so cool. Do, uh, you know, big kinked rails. And it was, uh, it was living. It was a mecca for the sport at the time too. Grenade Gloves was huge. They were operating out of there. All the biggest riders could be seen in Main Park on any given day. Uh, I lived in employee housing. My uh, neighbors were from Australia, New Zealand, South America, Europe. It was, you know, going off every night. Uh, it was great. It was, it was one of the best times uh, of my life because of where my head was at. Yeah. Um, I was uh, fully, you know, financially independent for the first time, uh, you know, having my own place, uh, throwing parties, cleaning up, like being, yes. you know, a whole balance of everything. I would start going on trips to other places and, you know, fill the car with people from other countries and just surprise them and play tour guide and, you know, have a blast. It was, uh, it was good times. Um, went to Hawaii that summer with some friends nice. and kind of backpacked around with a skateboard and, uh, you know, just, just explored. It was, uh, again, before other types of commitments that emerge at later points in your life. Um, that was it, man. Or even in your radar. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, this at this point in your life, you're, what, 18 years old, right? Yep. 18 years old. This was before college? Was uh, it? Technically took a semester off, but okay. before I got out to Santa Barbara, yeah. All right, so before you went out to Santa Barbara, yeah, because I remember when you went to Santa Barbara, we had that Brian Bell concert, and all it was just freaking chaos. You threw a concert yeah. party at my house, that's <laughs> I did. right. I did. I got some stories I can't repeat on yes, here, actually, yeah, yeah. from that, yeah, but uh, yeah. that, was, that, was, that was good times right there. <laughs> that was good times, man, and you know, I, I, I look back um, at, at times of my childhood, right? And I hold on to them near and dear. And as I sit here and, you know, talk with you and I see your face light up of that moment in your life, that was just, it was just fucking awesome, right? Um, but I always go back. Life is a blink of an eye. Like you said, every single day we're dying, right? And that's what pushes you. You drive, you have that motivation. Um, so you leave Mammoth, you go to Santa Barbara. How long were you going there? And did you major in business? Yeah, I started in business. Okay. And uh, I enjoyed like my business 101 classes that encompassed everything. Once I got to some of the accounting classes, although I said I see numbers, which yeah. I do, uh, it just became, you know, repetition to me, you know, doing the 12 step accounting cycle, uh, economics. <laughs> it's funny because I do a lot of this on a daily basis now okay. uh, in terms of what I have to look at and approve. Um, economics in terms of, of some of the digital currencies are trading. Yes. Uh, but uh, I, I just wasn't fully interested in it. Meanwhile, my marketing classes, I loved. And to me, that was why the biggest brands were able to obtain their positioning within their given industries. That was the creative aspect of business. That was at the, the forefront of revenue yeah. and performance. So I just knew like, all right, this is where I, I want to be. You know, like all that other stuff's cool, but 
<laughs> this is I don't want to be disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't the person to be, you know, a financial accountant. I get that. You know, I wasn't an economic like guy as much as like, hey, I want to hype people up. Uh, sales yes. is a transfer of energy. Yes. Marketing is sales on a, a mass level, yeah. and I like getting that type of mind control out to millions of people <laughs> and pushing them to an end result that drives revenue and most importantly growth for organizations that are making a positive impact. Yeah. So I started seeing that in myself while being in school. Uh, it actually wasn't straight marketing. It was communications emphasis in, in marketing, Okay, the way it all shapes out. And I was fascinated by why people do the things that they do back to the whole mind control thing, which I throw around loosely, but it is, it's true. It is true. It is very uh, true. So, you know, mass communications, uh, uh, what was it? Inner, inner sexual communications in between, uh, you know, how you market to different genders, yeah. um, all types of mass media communications, sociology, psychology. I, these are all courses I took cause I just was so intrigued by how to, create a response uh, of another human's mind, which again is what marketing that's is. All, that's exactly what it is. If yeah. you, to, to the bare bones, it's exactly what it is. Yes. And, and, and as you stripped away the layers, um, you started to really find yourself, right? Because you started out, you know, majoring in one thing, but then, you know, as you went on, it turned into something else, right? It's like a, it's like a flower. It's about, you know, blooming. Um, there's this big, you know, uh, talk in, in today's society about college, about school. And this is something that I ask everyone. Um, what is your thoughts on it? Because when I started the podcast, I had one thought and now I have another thought. But I would like to know what your thought behind school is. And I'm not talking about people going to school for a doctor or science, like a scientist, obviously, right? But what about someone that wants to major in social media, right? May, uh, major in blockchain, major in whatever. What is your thoughts on that? I mean, college is great. I, I can give you all types of perspectives on it. Yeah. Uh, I've been close friends um, or more with uh, people who work heavily in academia. Um, I, I myself myself speak at, at uh, uh, universities regularly, um, UCLA, USC, LMU, um, a whole list of other schools I have stuff scheduled for this year. Um, education is important. Yeah. Uh, I do not think it's for everyone. I think you need to be committed and know, hey, like I'm going to do this, uh, not go in there and half-ass it. Uh, I think you should actually take that type of commitment to anything you do at that, Absolutely. but particularly with your, your education. So if you want to do social media, first of all, what you want to do is going to evolve. Of course. Uh, what I do didn't exist 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, the same is true for people in school today. I think it's a great format to learn how to think, learn how to process, learn how to operate under structures. Yeah. So show up here, take in this information, do these assignments, uh, complete this by the end of the semester, whether that's some type of final or, you know, document that you're submitting, um, you know, pick the right courses, pick the right professors, uh, align with the right, uh, network, the right individuals and contacts while sure. you're there. 
uh, get involved, join the clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mentioned digital assets. We do a lot in, in blockchain and cryptocurrency, and some of the most intelligent people I know in that space started in the industry leading their school's blockchain club. Absolutely. And we're building funds and producing significant returns for, you know, faculty members to parents to, you know. Life-changing. And everything just snowballed from there to where now they're major market makers yeah. in the space. Uh, and <laughs> can tell you more about that means uh, at a later time. But you get the idea. Like, you can really build yourself there. Uh, don't miss out on opportunities. I was going to create a, a snowboard club that I didn't do. And yeah. it was a, a niche thing. I was going to create other types of organizations that I didn't. I, I you know, was preoccupied with my own social life versus actually what I was getting out of the experience. Absolutely. There's amazing things you can do. Also, businesses will interact with you. Yeah. Uh, we have a uh, an internship program that we've built with some of the universities here in LA, and they get school credits. We have different speakers come in. There's a full curriculum that they go through. Wow. Uh, we welcome that. But beyond that, if a student reaches out to me and says, hey, this is what I'm doing, what's your advice? I make a point to respond. When I'm at conferences, students come up to me and ask me questions afterwards. Same type of deal. And if you're confident, if you go out of your way to convey what you're doing in the world and how the other side can support, you'll be surprised by who wants to play that role in your life. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, there's a lot that can be done with school. School, like anything else, is a tool. It's a, it's a vehicle. It's yes. all a matter of how you use it. If you just show up to classes and leave and, you know, like hang out with your friends that you already know outside of that and look to get a diploma at the end, that's all you're going to get. You're going to get a diploma. Uh, there's a million other things you get from school. It can be used as an amazing thing. Um, that being said, to show the other side of the argument, I don't have requirements at my company. I'm, I'm the last okay. interview. I'm the handshake yes. interview. I have to go through all these different processes, but around certain schooling. And to tell you the truth, I've hired people from the best universities that, for lack of a better word that I feel like saying here, they, they suck. Okay. You know, I've hired people who have not gone to college or have gone to, you know, more of uh, uh, commuter schools yes. and been outstanding in yeah. comparison to other candidates. Um, you know, there, there is that underlying talent. There is that underlying uh, adaptability and more importantly, that commitment. And uh, it's so true. It's so true. Those qualities can surpass a strong diploma. Uh, It all comes down to execution in anything. So I know people who went to the best schools that, you know, hop around from job interview to job interview and others that uh, are constantly figuring out what they want to do because of how many options that they have and how much they're producing financially, how much they're producing in the world and, you know, trying to figure out where to invest their time. Um, who went to, you know, no school. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love There's that. other qualities to look for. No, no, for sure. I'm get this fly. Um, Beyond. <laughs> you know, I like that you said both sides of the argument. Uh, when I started the podcast, I was like, just so one-sided on the view. And I'm the type of person like you can, you can help shape my opinion. If you have a great, um, educated response and I take my time and I look into it, like you can change my mind on, on pretty much anything. That being said, speaking from both sides, I respect that more than anything. And for me, it is that experience that individuals get, uh, starting out that next chapter in your life right after high high school um, where you can still make mistakes, right? Where life isn't just smacking you right in the face um, and you can learn from those mistakes, but it is that experience, like everything that you just talked about. So uh, thank you for sharing just 
the raw, real, honest truth about that. Um, all right, so we're we're kind of working up, right? You you high school, college, Santa Barbara, graduate. What the heck happened um, after you graduated? Were, did you already have a job lined up? Were you nervous and confused? Did you what, what happened? Did you not graduate? What what happened? <laughs> I basically went through a very transitional point in my life okay. um, and uh, got the exact job I was looking for Damn. in terms of, you know, action sports for a marketing agency. As I told you, my, uh, my passion at that point for marketing, uh, as I, you know, outlined that if you asked me to start a business at that point, it would be in the snowboard industry, i.e. in action sports, no skate yep. surf. So, you know, could have looked at further schooling could have looked at various types of uh, opportunities, but I was handed what I wanted. I um, I, you know, the by the universe, I you know had to okay. set everything right. up. Like, it wasn't <laughs> like an overnight thing. It was actually months in the making, and uh, you know, it was was in a comfortable point of life for me. Um, without getting too much detail, um, but it was it was actually uh, one of the toughest points in my life in the sense of I didn't have the structure. Um, how to go through this big transition of like, again, party school yeah. to uh, like the business world and, uh, you know, how to, how to stop hanging out with some friends for a while that later reconnected with, had to, you know, really like drill down and figure out how I was going to spend my time, uh, where I was going to invest my efforts, what I wanted to do long term. And, uh, you know, it was, it was very difficult, but that's what makes greatness, yeah. you know, going through that struggle is what allows you to really appreciate what you have, uh, you know, and had some low points in there. Um, but again, once everything started working for me, uh, I didn't want to let it go. I there knew I was never going back to not knowing what I was doing yeah. or, you know, having question marks uh, in that regard whatsoever as you're trying to figure out who you are as an adult um, in the world. Um, again, I, I, it was a fact, like I was never going back. I, uh, I was never having those feelings go through my head again. And, uh, you know, really looked at my twenties as the time in my life, this crucial, crucial point that I would be building a foundation to support the rest of my life with. And, yeah. and, and that's what I did. And it wasn't easy. And there was self-doubt at times. Uh, there was people directly <laughs> providing doubt uh, and, and being aggressive about it. Uh, you know, you have age working against you in your early 20s and mid-20s. Yeah. I think I grew a beard for the first time <laughs> at that point. And, uh, you know, I was like 22, 23, trying to consult these business owners. And they're like, how old are you? It's crazy, right? <laughs> Be like a student or what's going on here. But I mean, that would obviously be shaped by the perspective I was able to provide. And most importantly, the results that my recommendations later produced. Yes. And that reinvests the trust. But it was, it was tough. And then you move on to bigger roles and go to, you know, different companies and you keep getting higher. But there's always someone who, you know, is expecting to, to, to make more within your business, get more attention and looks at you as a threat and is working against you. Uh, until that shift occurs and people start listening to it differently at that point. Usually it's in your thirties, sure. even more so in your forties, which obviously not there yet. But, uh, man, I, I had to work hard, but again, I, I, you know, really transitioned all the energy I'd put into my teenage fun and college, like good times into work, into my career. Yes. I would, you know, be falling asleep and, uh, you know, at 11 and wake up at 
midnight with an idea and start typing for the next two hours. I love that. And be able to present something and get everyone excited at the office and have all this energy. And that made all the difference. And I, as I was telling you that 22 to 25 level of creativity, that's when I had a lot of my most out of the box concepts and thoughts and applied to business models and yeah. you know things that, that did very well <laughs> and in some cases for other people. But uh, you know, I try to keep that talent around me now yeah. for those reasons. That's smart. Um, but you know, I, I really <laughs> try to go full send and That's you know, so cool. uh, put all of my energy towards business, towards work. Um, not even, uh, you know, enjoying all the things other kids my age were doing at that point yeah. so that I can be, uh, giving it everything. I didn't want to be watered down whatsoever. I didn't want anything to get in the way of my goals and where I was going at that point. Anything that could be a potential risk, why integrate it in my life? That's like, awesome. I want to be playing higher. That's so cool. I mean, uh, most kids at 23, 24 years old, they're not thinking like that, man. They're caring about partying, caring about having fun. And obviously you went through this transitional period in your life and life's like a roller coaster and maybe that's a big dip, but you obviously pulled out of that moment and you grabbed onto something. Was it, um, was it something inside of you that you looked back, you're like, I, I don't ever want that again. So I got to work 10 times harder to get myself out of it. What was it that took you out of this transitional period uh, and that allowed you to move forward? Uh, like I said, it's just I wasn't going to feel that way anymore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you're 22, you're feeling good. You just left school. You know, you're a senior. You're, you're, you're higher up and people are looking at you as established, everything going to then being on the opposite side of society, getting out. Um, so, I mean, that, that was a big part of it for me. But again, it, 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 once I got into um, conversations where I was seeing the business world, I realized there's much bigger games being played here. For sure. You know, it's no longer about like, hey, which party do I want to go to? Or, you know, like, who are we inviting over or anything like that? And more along the lines of what am I doing in the world? What type of impact am I making? What type of networks am I building? What value am I providing for the networks around me? Yeah. Look at all these you know, look at all these people who are like making serious deals, you know, creating stuff that's just awesome and, uh, you know, being compensated for it beyond what any business will pay. I mean, they're making like serious money on different exits and different things going on. How do I do that? How do I, you know, play in that type of game? Like sure. that, that's what really opened up. So again, I, I didn't want to be that 22 year old figuring out life or, you know, people like telling me like, oh, you're young. Like I didn't want that. Um, and you know, there's probably downsides and, oh, didn't enjoy like those years enough or whatever it may be, but I'll tell you, and there's quotes around being an entrepreneur of <clears throat> living a few years of your life. Like most people won't so that you can live the rest of your life. Like most people can't. I love that. And you know, different things like that, that, uh, you know, people I look up to now post on a daily basis. And those were the type of quotes I was reading then and started understanding like, wow, you know, here are these successful people. Um, and even athletes, like all these people For through sure. history, and this is what they're doing at 22. This is what they're doing at 25. This is what they're doing at 27 and aligning myself. And you're not supposed to compare to others, but I used it as a motivator. Like Absolutely. what do I need to push to get there quicker and to get there, you know, uh, more sustainably at that too. Cause you watch people fall apart. So it was really the drive more than anything. I love that. Uh, and I told you, I, I get bored <laughs> with the things I have in a healthy way. And you know, like, uh, 
<laughs> friends and everything like that. Like, thank you for everything. I'm not, I'm not of bored of you, but I, I always want more. And that's usually pushing people on more trips, getting uh, new expansions to the business, new partners, uh, new representation, other markets of the world and, you know, travel out to those places. Um, it's a, it's a healthy drive. Um, and again, I, I value the time I have here. Like you said, uh, 20 years goes by quick in 20 years, I'll be 53, yeah. you know, like the same distance it was from when you're hanging out in high school, getting in trouble, yes. uh, will be, you know, <laughs> the same old, <laughs> like, <laughs> 53 ain't old fool. I mean, I, I, I'm joking. I'm when you're 53, it'll feel young and yes. you know, blah, blah, blah. But like, we'll be looking no, but at of course, of the course. 55 menu at yes. or something <laughs> like that and explaining why we're close, but you, you get the idea. Like, I, do. I don't want time to go by without knowing I'm playing everything to the fullest, yeah. without knowing I'm embracing it all. You look at the regrets that people have when they're older. And a lot of it is that self-thought and that stress and like, you know, stupid things that they shouldn't have been worrying about. Yeah. Um, I only want to be focused on what I'm creating, what more I could be doing, what more I could be putting out there. Uh, and, you know, that list for the day that I was mentioning, sometimes done is better than perfect. So just trying to like get as much done as I can. I love that. Hold on, hold on. You just said uh, sometimes done is uh, better than perfect or a lot better. What, what did Correct. you say? Say it again. Say it again. Sometimes done is better than perfect. You know, I need to understand <laughs> that because I sometimes have this like perfectionist mentality and I'm starting to evolve into, you know, what, what exactly what you just said, especially like with this podcast, my whole life, I tried to um, put all the pieces together so fucking perfectly before I brought something to market, right? When uh, sometimes it's just about fucking doing it, right? Um, yeah. It's not always about being 110% perfect because you can learn along the way. All right, we're going to cool. dial back and we're getting close to um, uh, where I get to really ask some questions about what the fuck is going on now, right? So uh, so you, you get out of college, um, start at that job. When was the point that you started teaming up with the people that you're surrounding yourself with now? Uh was there like, uh, when you were younger, was there a point where you're like, okay, I'm going to own my own business? Uh, was there many steps along the way? What happened after that first job out of high school or college? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I, I had success in the projects I was working on and got moved to projects in additional verticals. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think I, I talked about entertainment, apparel, uh, tech hardware, um, various types of, um, consumer packaged goods, travel, uh, got a taste, got a, a, spec, uh, a spectrum of industries put together in my portfolio, uh, moved on to a different agency where I took on a, a new business role, nice. business development essentially, but would come up with ideas for prospective clients and then roll those out. Um, one of the clients we we're working on was a, a social gaming company, Facebook games like uh, you know, Farmville, Mafia yeah. Wars, uh, but around branded entertainment. So taking uh, social pages with over a million followers and then monetizing them through the sale of virtual goods. So I learned this business model inside and out because I was yeah. a business and marketing nerd at that point. And uh, you know, the average revenue per user would be about 50 cents per user per month wow. because the av- only 5% of people would make purchases, but they'd spend an average of 20 a month. Nice. So if you had 50 cents per user per month, you could project how much you'd make off a million users or like the, the leader in the space at that time had 224 million users. And that's when I learned about traffic. That's when I learned about how to take people online to your site, to your offering, to your game, to your investment page, to your business lead form. And it was transformational for me in the sense of before 
I was working with these uh, projects. Um, we were, you know, creating websites for, creating videos, creating full marketing campaigns around. Yeah. Uh, and in some cases, they had very little eyeballs. Amazing, amazing technology, revolutionary new products with no one seeing it, no awareness. Now, looking at traffic funnels and being able to uh, essentially create arbitrage with media buying, uh, I could take millions of people to any URL. Wow. And that to me was sheer power and was able to build these marketing plans that were set up to produce hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars, uh, all, all through the use of digital marketing tactics. Um, and again, with media buying, and what I mean by arbitrage is you're buying traffic cheaper than you're selling it. You're bringing users uh, to your offering um, at, a, at a lower cost than what you're making on them. And that gives you the ability to scale, which Absolutely. is my favorite word. I love to that. To scale. So this is when I was first introduced to it. Uh, later on, Games were backed up in development. We had obtained seed capital of $3 million. I was part of that whole process. I created over 75 versions of our investor pitch materials, customized for each party. We were obtaining licenses, had created hundreds of different decks for you name them, the biggest entertainment license, license uh, holders you could think of and meeting with their management team, sometimes with the talent themselves. Uh, all of that was paused. Uh, we were working out of a mansion in Santa Monica and we were going to acquire an advertising sales firm. Instead, we ended up merging with one <clears throat> business deal, if you will. For sure. And uh, the, the owner of that company was very successful, had an exit in the late 90s uh, in the nine figure level. And I had the opportunity of working directly with him. And it was opened up to me. And yeah. I said, ah, absolutely. I want to learn everything he knows. <laughs> like, yeah. Advertising is where. The money is in mm -hmm. terms of marketing. That's where the dollars are traded. Um, I want that. Let's do that. And it was tough. <laughs> um, the, the whole atmosphere of it was high pressure. Uh, you're talking uh, 90s sales models built yeah. into something for digital um, packages. But at the same time, it shaped me into uh, the business development person I am now and uh, basically spoke with pretty much every top 100 brand was running campaigns for a strong amount of them and uh, got a good feel for what worked and what didn't work across a full array of different industries, budget levels, timelines. Uh, I could sit here and name drop, you know, the top okay. automotive travel entertainment, both studio and theatrical, uh, both theatrical and home entertainment, um, e-commerce platforms, like literally it's just all package it. gets everyone. I can tell you what they do internally. I was traveling around a lot, meeting with the agencies and the clients direct. And I got good mm -hmm. at presenting, uh, you know, was on the sales side, was later <clears throat> asked to be a product marketing manager so I could travel with the higher level sales guys and do the, do the pitch. Meaning like, hey, we like the way you do the storytelling on this. We want you to yeah. talk about our iPad advertising inventory nice. to, you know, the biggest, <laughs> the biggest uh, beverage company there is. Like, Damn. We need you to do that. The biggest mobile company there is. And uh, learn the whole game of ad tech, even to the point to where... Uh, I, I eventually uh, was promoted and built the whole product marketing division, had product marketing specialists underneath me, even the sales team uh, underneath me at a certain point, and would have to source additional advertising inventory, meaning we'd oversell one month and I'd have to find more impressions. Wow. More advertising placements. Oversell. 
yeah, so then we fly up to San Francisco, meet with a couple groups out there who said this is no longer a problem for you, like as much advertising, you know, inventory yeah. you need, we got you. And uh, started learning about the world of data and what's available in terms of targeting. So just a big learning experience, I mean, for sure. And how old were you at this point? 27. 27, man. A little younger uh, leading into it, of course, but like 27 is when I like got good, if you will. Yeah. And, and, and sorry to cut you off because I know you're about to say something, but um, most people in the space at that time, were they roughly around your age that had your level of expertise and doing so There's as much people on my team that like were like 20 years older than me that's that ex- I hated. <laughs> that's that's got to be crazy, man, because you're you're like an outlier in, in, in your type of, in your, not your type, in your industry. Yeah. Um, and that can be very hard for people that are 20 years your, your senior, right? Yeah. Uh, going through that process, especially with a guy that had um, a 90s, you know, advertising, marketing mentality uh, mixed up with, you know, yours, was that challenging? And are those challenges something that allowed you to grow or did it pull you back? What was that like? So I always knew uh, that I would start a company, you know, be a founder, CEO, if you will. Yeah. At this point in my life, I was building up my portfolio. Yeah. So yeah, there was points where I was frustrated, but at the same time, I was actually putting my head down and doing the work and so glad I did. So glad I stuck with it. Uh, even the situations that were more difficult, um, shaped me into who I am now. And some of the conversations that, uh, I didn't like, I, I'm on the other part of now and can, you know, appreciate and respect from all angles. Um, and, and that could be internally with management talking to, you know, sales teams that could be, Externally, with agencies talking to their client or vendors, uh, i.e., ad networks uh, talking to their agency, because that's the whole trade table there. Okay. Um, it taught me the full game. So, you know, built. A, we were building a mobile advertising network. We we're monetizing that. Everything was going good. Yeah, there was things I would have done differently, but at the same time, I was getting. Uh, you know, invaluable experience, um, both from, uh, you know, the deals we were putting together and running, uh, as well as from upper management, as I told you, I was getting everything from there. Um, but onward, uh, was asked to, uh, partner and form DNA, okay, which is my company now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, December of 2013, everything completed on that in the ad tech side of things. Um, January of 2014. I remember it was right after Wolf of Wall Street came out. I think I watch it like once a week at that point. But uh, I, I, I uh, partnered with uh, one of the owners of a past agency I was at and, and formed DNA. And uh, basically do the same thing, but for startup to mid-level companies, large organizations as well, but you know, generally around some type of launch, okay. some type of product rollout. And for me that's a lot more exciting. It's yeah. a lot more rewarding. Absolutely. You run a top campaign for Verizon. They say, hey, great job. We're <laughs> going to consider you for the next RFP, <laughs> the next request for proposal. Uh-huh. Um, and you're just one out of 100 line items on their vendor list, which is cool. For sure. And you can become a historical vendor and your budgets can grow. And then there's all types of responsibility that comes with that, of course, uh, i.e. a lot more phone calls and fire Absolutely. drills and yes. things like that. Um, but you're not making as much of a difference. You can, and there's definitely creatives um, that do so uh, outside of just the media buying performance side of things. Um, but working with a startup, That's... I mean, 
you're, we're directly part of their growth. It's extremely exciting. Um, you know, I'll talk about the failure rate in a second here, uh, but uh, it, it's what gets me up in the day. Damn. And when we're aligning ourselves with projects and emerging verticals that are really making an impact in the world or just doing something super cool in my eyes, yeah. it uh, it's good. puts a smile on my face. For, for sure. So what does DNA stand for? Digital niche agency. Digital niche agency. It's a cool acronym. I like referring to it as DNA. We uh-huh. have variations of it underneath. Uh, but yeah, we, we incorporated in January of 2014. Uh, my partner uh, is a career consultant. Okay. At this point, been doing it for 20 years. He was actually a pro skater when he was younger. So we were able to vibe on the whole action sports thing. Yeah. Um, and had some experience collaborating on accounts in that vertical. Uh, but uh, was actually working in senior living at the moment. And he was consulting businesses that he was sending digital agency work out to that were failing. Okay. So, uh, you know, saw everything I was doing in terms of digital traffic uh, on the media buying side and said, let's, let's do this. We have some business right out of the Hell gate. Yeah. Um, and the first six months, to tell you the truth, were actually tough. Did okay. Was able to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, lot of sleepless nights in terms of how much I was working, putting together materials, creating products, getting everything going, building uh, referral partnerships, uh, going after prospective clients, essentially cold calling, cold emailing, doing everything I could to get revenue to a good point. And in, so we incorporated in January. By that summer, everything started to work. That's awesome. Man. And the second half of the year went well. And by December was surpassing what I wanted to make uh, at the business before. And uh, everything was, was, was rolling. Um, you know, and, and there's probably a lot of stories I could tell within that, but just to, to shape out yeah, yeah, yeah. the whole business. January quarter one is the slowest time of year for marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it slowed the hell down. <laughs> and from there was anticipating it to pick back up around March, April. We started put, we put on like a, a big footwear brand, but they paused and like we're waiting to launch. Everything was real slow wow. and it didn't pick back up. By May, uh, my partner and some people involved were looking at me like, hey, when are we going to pull the plug? Oh my when are we going to do other things? When are we going to move other focuses? You know, recruiters were calling me. I had other opportunities, but I, I didn't want to give up. Uh, more importantly, there was too much momentum. Like the, the, the conversations, the meetings, the calls I was having on a daily basis, it just, it would have felt like a, sh- like a shame. And... You know, had some other things that didn't work. I had like an off-road app that wasn't able to bring to life, and you know, other th- like things where I'm like, man, if I would have just kept doing this, it would have worked. Like it would have like yeah. really compounded at some point, and just stayed with it. You know, took a few interviews to see what was out there, wow. and again, was just stuck on the fact like this is gonna happen. Um, I'm, I'm I'm close, and yeah. July of that year. Uh, it all turned around and, you know, knock on wood, hasn't slowed down since. And that was 2015. Oh my gosh, So we're here man. in 2020 and it just kept growing, kept growing. You know, we go through our, our peak months, but even, you know, this year, saw a larger January than we have, uh, you know, to date, including the year of year percentage projections. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I talk about startups, when I talk to entrepreneurs, I say like, don't do this unless you're ready to continue when everything else around you seems like you should stop. You know, when I look at 
the groups that we work with that make it mm-hmm. and the groups that don't, the one differentiating factor that I see, I articulate as grit. Okay. Meaning that feeling of no matter what, this guy, this girl, they're going to do whatever it takes to hit the milestones. You know, we invest into companies. I participate individually. Like I, I look for this in people's eyes. I look for this in scenarios when I'm speaking with them. I need to know that there's not a chance that they're stopping what they're doing because <laughs> everything's working against you those first few years as a startup. And that is freaking mind-blowing because <laughs> most people will give up. Most people will stop. So let's talk about that. That, 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 Yeah, the (laughs) failure rate in your line of work has to be insane. 90% of startups fail in the first 12 months. Those that survive, 90% of those fail in the second 12 months. I'm in a world where people are shutting their doors constantly around me. I'm on phone calls with these people. I'm in their offices as they're packing their boxes and trying to figure out how they're going to support their kids. Like, I see it. Wow, man. But, you know, going back to (laughs) my thirst and drive, how I always have to be doing exciting things, um, you know, touched on snowboarding and the type of uh, (laughs) danger that has to be present for you to be enjoying yourself there. Yeah. And how that's actually a meditation for me and takes me away from the stress, Mm -hmm. the risk involved on any of these campaigns and allows me to be 100% in the moment and come back refreshed on Monday. It's because this is what is happening around me. Meaning we've worked with over 300 brands to date, almost at 350. Congrats. Not all of them are around today. Now, some of them have moved on to other ventures. Some of those ventures are more successful than the first. It's all part of their journey. But meanwhile, marketing, as I mentioned, is a, you know extension of sales. We're on the front level of performance. We're directly attached to their revenue. If what we're doing is working, we're the hero. We tell the client they're the hero, of course, and <laughs> don't take any credit for it. Yeah. But meaning the marketing campaign is this awesome, you know, driving force in the business that everyone's celebrating. When we're not hitting the performance benchmarks that we're out to create, companies go under. You know, entrepreneurial marketing, one budget oftentimes has to produce the next. If it is not hitting its results, There is no more to be spent and you're hoping things just get picked up. So, you know, I I have that type of uh, perspective, that type of lens on marketing. You know, it's not the traditional, hey, we're going to spend 500K on branding and think about it for six months type of marketing activation. It's you got to be smart. You got to be lean. And whatever you do has to put numbers on the board. If you're afraid of measuring things, like don't be doing marketing for startups. Like it's it's all a matter of metrics. That is incredible, man. Because what I've seen as you're like telling your story is that the the times in your life with you know snowboarding, skateboarding, the thrill, the kind of living on edge, right? Oh, yeah. You don't know what's going to happen, right? Um, you have now transferred that into your 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 life, your everyday job. Although you're not a professional snowboarder, you might be a professional badass, but like straight up, that is incredible to see because that feeling has now segued into who you still are today as an individual. 100%. What is, there's gotta be some weight on your shoulders though because uh, you know people are instilling, you know, their trust and in everything into you. And if the next thing doesn't work, right, for them, 
is that what pushes you? Like the understanding, like we have to give it our all. Yes. It allows me to know I'm working on something meaningful. Yeah. Where if that isn't present, like I said, you know, running big campaigns, multi-million dollar budgets, but not being connected to it, even though there's commissions and things like that involved because it doesn't, you know, have that type of relevancy. It doesn't actually like mean anything to too many people involved. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's night and day difference. So yeah, the, the, the loss side of things is drastic. <laughs> I get it. Failure. Again, it's everywhere. But when it's all working, when it's all connecting and happy to say, not only the percentage is much higher working with an agency, but the percentages uh, you know, that we've seen on our campaigns and our portfolio are significantly higher. Um, and, and you know, to tell you more about what we do, a, a big Please part do. of it is media buying. Well, okay, I'll go fuller into what we yeah, do. Yeah, lay it out. So we start with marketing strategy. I've built a system called the eight point marketing plan. I've been published by Forbes and all types of media outlets about it. I could tell you all types of cool quotes of, you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Uh, but it, it's where it all starts. So, you know, the first sections are research heavy, both as an in, in, in industry, as well as the actual competitors. So I could tell exactly how they're obtaining digital market share, exactly where they're spending, exact messaging they're using, all the channels. I need to know what they're doing that's producing their results so I could stand on their shoulders when creating our clients' models. The, the framework then occurs. And so the target audiences, I, I personify them. I make them fictional characters. They're digital touch points, which become all the marketing channels where okay. we're looking to, to, to use both paid advertising and organic, which is content marketing. Yep. Uh, and then moving on to the messaging that's going to live on each channel, I put together a strategic partner, uh, partner map and messaging that's going to go out to them. That's how I have seen things grow the quickest is through strategic partnerships and tapping into existing warm audiences. And then everything leads into projections. Okay. The only way to measure anything is with numbers. Anyone who shies away from it, there's a reason. You should pay attention to it. <laughs> but we break down each channel by an algorithm from impressions to clicks to conversions. So how much something's going to be seen, how much it's going to be engaged with and traffic is going to be produced, um, and then conversions. So again, whether it's a purchase, whether it's an install of a software or app, whether it's a business-to-business lead, whether it's an investor, we do a lot of fundraising, which I'll I'll talk about. But uh, we can then identify where in the algorithm we're underperforming if something's not working. It's not just a matter of, hey, Instagram ads didn't work, but we could actually see where we're underproducing, optimize, um, and then, you know, most importantly, scale. Um, But we can have the full goal set up algorithmically on how it's going to be produced with the strategy. And that is our starting point. That's how we align with clients. I'm actually going to be doing some workshops with clients this year. I I travel internationally with them and we spend a week creating this strategy and then, you know, riding motorcycles through the jungle in Vietnam (laughs) and then like come back and brainstorm on it more. So like, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking at like submarines for another one. Like there's all types of cool ways because we we want it to be that type of experience in creating what the their brand is going to be doing. It's how, how how its brand is going to be living its best life. You know, I love that, man. I freaking love that. And it's like once again, you're incorporating the times in your life when you're younger into who you are today, right? Submarines, riding motorcycles, creating experience, creating experience for uh, you know the foreigners that would come to Mammoth and <laughs> take them around and show them. It's just been it's been who you are as an individual, and to be able to portray that into DNA is just freaking fantastic. Um, where do these ideas come from? Like when you 
sit and think, if you could think right now, like where do they come from? Top of your head, planning? I don't know, boredom. <laughs> there we go. And I, I could feel boredom at things that other people would get excited by. That's the nature of it. But as soon as I get that moment, it's like, okay, what do we do to take this to the next level? How do we do more? Yeah. Um, and doing it on behalf of clients is producing real value. It's not just like... <laughs> throwing around the word bored, it's saying like, hey, these results are good, but they want to grow. They don't want to make the same money next year. How do we scale what it is that they're doing? That's ultimately what we're out to, to, to produce for clients is so I can put in front of them opportunities to scale their business. And you know, to, to get more into what we do, yeah. uh, there's three core offerings outside of strategy. Right. And these are recommendations. These are things that we as an agency can offer or they could do in-house. But these are things that, again, fit into that whole smart entrepreneurial marketing mindset. And they're content marketing, advertising, and direct outreach. Uh, this is how brands are built. This is how they're able to really make an impact. I hate using the word disrupt, but obtain digital market share in their given industries. And content marketing, you build a funnel. We build a content calendar talking about what's going to be distributed where. Uh, we're talking a you know email system, a email se- sequence of emails called mm-hmm. email drip. Those email addresses are usually provided in a landing page, which is a p- page designed to do one thing. You're not taking them to the full website. You're taking them to a page to get them to submit their email address or sign up for something or join a community somewhere. Uh, from there, in the emails, they're being showcased with social content, uh, articles, videos, white papers, uh, you know, influencer posts where people are talking about the brand and showing social proof and third-party validation. It takes seven touch points or more to see a conversion on average. Right. So this creates the user journey that we're taking them through and providing that type of value throughout the entire process. We then drive traffic into that funnel with advertising, our second offering, yep. you know, my, my backgrounds in ad tech, uh, have relationships that have carried on to this day there. We've developed a lot of our own first party data, uh, which is king and allows us to outperform other agencies and other verticals just because of our application of it. Uh, but we run ads on social platforms. Uh, we run ads on search platforms. I buy ads on exchanges where I could get it at a, a wholesale rate and use machine learning technology to optimize across nice. billions of impressions a day. And those ads that feel like they're following around everywhere, like that's you know the algorithm I create, and it can be very effective at finding a pocket of performance within a, a large net of advertising, and buy ads just from that audience moving forward. We're measuring how much we're paying for the ads, the impressions, again, yeah. how much we're paying for clicks and traffic and the engagement we're getting from there, uh, how much, therefore, we're seeing in terms of conversions, um, and then the, the, the cost per acquisition. So if that's a sale, uh, if that's an investor, you know, again, going through all the different yeah. uh, conversions that we track, if there's a transactional value, we can measure the return on ad spend. So... We're getting a you know ten dollar cost per acquisition. Meanwhile, the average order value is a hundred dollars. It's a ten x return on ad spend. If the client's spending fifteen k, they're getting one hundred fifty k back. I could show them we could scale this two x next month, wow. next week. We could do it again three to seven days later, and again and again and again. And we'll get startups that begin with us at entry level media budgets and spend you know quarter million dollars a month or more. Uh, shortly thereafter because of the results that they're seeing. Wow. And, and, you know, it's not the most lucrative for a marketing agency to sell media buys uh, because of the margins. 
It definitely is at higher budgets, but uh, you know, there's other products we could push them to where we make more in the early stages, but I'm not interested in that. What I want to see is them getting results and the continuation. Uh, and again, using the word scale again is, is where we're able to grow as an agency. And you know, we'll, we'll run four to 10 audiences to begin and then two to six different ads, two to six creatives. We'll optimize towards which ones are working best and use all of these findings to, uh, again, hit levels of performance that are outstanding in comparison to industry averages. And that's why we've been able to grow. That's, you know, that's, uh, it's really fantastic because what you said that stood out most is, you know, you could have taken the approach where you're going to make more money, right? As a business, right? Mm. But to be able to say, no, fuck that, right? I want to scale this one, but also give real value to my customers, yes. right? Because at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. And if people are instilling uh, their trust, their money and everything into you, for you to just, you know, f- flip it for a quick dime compared to building long lasting relationships. Yes. That's where it's at. And so that is definitely what would separate you from a lot of other people. That's what would separate DNA from a lot of other companies um, is because you guys care. Yeah. I mean, I, I see you as you are telling me these things. Not only is your face lighting up, <laughs> but you're looking at the camera speaking to the audience, sharing with them your passion, right? It's, sure. it's incredible. Yeah. Well, it's like I said, that, <laughs> that world of startup failure is around me. Uh, I've done extensive, uh, workshops that I've, I've held, uh, with various different accelerators and business educational groups here in Los Angeles. I've seen thousands of companies that aren't around anymore. I need to do whatever I can to be able to hit those performance benchmarks, those revenue levels. Yeah. So that startups could obtain their next level of financing, their next level of funding, uh, so that they could ultimately grow. Uh, I mentioned outreach being our, our final offering. We do that on LinkedIn and get a, a substantially stronger response rate than we would using cold emails, cold phone calls, any other cold methods. You can see exactly who you're looking for. It's underrated. We're getting investors, high-level business-to-business buyers, and strategic partners through it, all on top of uh, PR and other types of media connections. Um, through these methods, we've been able to outperform. And you know, there's a whole uh, list. There's about eight verticals that we have shown uh, case studies that, again, have been pointed at in these industries industries pointed out by the consultants in the groups. I've spoken at conferences at all these industries. Um, one thing that I should point out further too, which we do, which is exciting, it's fun, and it's um, leading the way to the next stages of, of my career and DNA's growth is investor acquisition. So in 2014, we were asked to work on an equity crowdfunding campaign. What is equity crowdfunding? It is the sale of stocks, uh, in a startup, in uh, it's a private equity investment, yeah. and there's an online offering page uh, that's regulated by the SEC and Finra. Uh, it's all compliant; it has to go through audits, and uh, you know from there, retail investors can have opportunities to participate in deals that they would never hear about uh, historically. Uh, there was laws put in place in the 1930s that. Um, prevented scams, but at the same time 
kept uh, private equity deals to accredited investors, individuals yep. with over 200K individual income over the past three years or a million dollars net worth outside of their primary home. And, you know, it's a boys club of, yes. you know, hey, these are these offerings. Let's Absolutely. talk about it at the country club this Sunday, which is cool. Um, and that still exists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, can tell you know, all different types of funds that you should speak with if you're in those circles and, you know, something that we uh, support. But at the same time, we can now bring thousands of investors to participate in a single deal, holding the same spot on a single cap table. So it still gives the company control. Um, but at the, but uh, you know, in it, we've been able to raise hundreds of millions of dollars for startups wow. uh, as DNA, where you know, at first it was accredited investors. I leveraged my data partnerships to reach high household income, high net worth audiences, uh, high risk, high return investors, private equity investors. And uh, Again, we hit levels that were not seen before in terms of acquisition costs and some of the largest campaigns to date back in 2014. The laws opened up further in 2016 to unaccredited investors. Uh-huh. Uh, Title III of the Jobs Act passed, and we started doing Reg CF campaigns. Um, we had success in those. We're asked to participate in Reg A, which you could raise up to 50 million from unaccredited audiences, have some of the top campaigns there, and have built relationships with the top portals which are websites that host these offerings, yeah. uh, including Start Engine, Republic, Seed Invest, WeFunder, MicroVentures, and we get pointed at as a you know recommended agency. We get referred to as you know one of the top agencies in the play in the space. Uh, I've personally invested into first-party data uh, where we're capturing. Uh, investor audiences that are participating in these deals. Nice. And then I'm able to target them with ads and drive them to our clients' deals so that you know we could pay uh, uh, 5% of what the investment is and be continue to acquire those investors up and up and up and, again, give the clients opportunities to scale. I can say, hey, we're paying you know, $100 per investor. You're getting $2,000 as an average investment. Um, you know, 20x return on ad spend. Yeah. We had one in December that was a 31x return on ad spend. So they're asking me at that point, hey, how much of this can I buy? How much can I spend? How quickly can we hit the hard cap of our raise? And that's what we're out to create. That's when I congratulate my team and say, hey, you're doing a good job. Anything less than that, though, we're just continuing (laughs) to push uh, because that's what's required. And, you know, the failure rate in equity crowdfunding is huge. We got involved in cryptocurrency. ICOs, right? Well, it's changed. No, no, no. no, It's a bad word. I can't believe I'm recording if you're saying ICO. I'm just kidding. But uh, But it's true. It's true. It's true. Absolutely. And we were doing stuff in uh, 2017, 2018 that was unprecedented unprecedented yeah. in uh, in terms of what could be raised, how quick. I was seeing $50 million being produced in a day. It's incredible. Uh, in some cases, rounds like that would close in a matter of minutes. Yeah. It was uh, insane. Yeah. And could tell you investors who had, had done very well there yeah. uh, that are still doing very well, others that are not, um, could tell you about raises that we... Uh, played a role in and compliantly uh, we're still working on campaigns that run on these portals that bonus tokens on top of their securities so it's uh, looked at as a security token offering which is a new form of Mm -hmm. initial coin offering which operated a bit outside of legislation back then so uh, security token offerings are the way to do it. STOs. Yeah exactly and uh, you know uh, blockchain cryptocurrency a crazy emerging vertical when you look at the market cap and how many you know, hundreds of billions are floating around at any given time. Uh, it opened up all types of industries. And you know, we, we started working on the marketing 
uh, for these currencies, yeah. uh, for different wallets, uh, both tech um, and hardware, and doing user acquisition there, uh, bringing on new customers for those brands. Uh, I've traveled around. I think I've spoken at countries in eight con- in eight uh, uh, countries. Um, wow. You know, specifically on blockchain and cryptocurrency investments, marketing, uh, learnings and opportunities, uh, communities. The whole, the whole nine, man. Where do you see that all going uh, with, with the crypto and the blockchain space? So digital assets, fintech. Yeah. I, I classify cryptocurrency in there. Uh, blockchain, the underlying technology behind it. Yeah. You know, uh, the thing with blockchain these days is, you know, you look at rule one, which is to... to operate a blockchain technology in a functioning company, the best way to present it, the best way to get it processed, the best way to get it rolled out is don't tell them it's blockchain. Like you want people using its block using blockchain without knowing they're using blockchain. You want people using cryptocurrency without knowing they're using yeah. cryptocurrency because of the negative connotations that have come along with it. Yeah. Now there will be SEC rulings on Reg A raises, and once a tokenized Reg A uh, format is approved, that can be replicated easily. There's been one that's been pushed through, but once it can be uh, consistent, um, it will be a standard vehicle for fundraising. Um, but uh, the SEC is taking a few years on it. Uh, it. It will happen at one point. Um, cryptocurrency is basically going up and down based on the fluctuating price of Bitcoin. Yes. Um, the moment uh, I know podcasts are timeless, so yeah, it doesn't yeah. really matter as it's much. It's almost ten k. It, 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 it went over. It, it went over, and then now it's like ninety seven. Still trading over in South Korea. Yeah. So uh, you know, there's all different types of strategies for trading around Bitcoin as well too. Oh, I'm really, just gosh. talking to the marketing component of it. But uh, as Bitcoin rises. More money spent in the industry. Yeah. More investors complete uh, their uh, transactions into startups. Um, more groups trade in general. It, it the value of everything goes up, and uh, the, the business as a whole picks up uh, sure. within blockchain. So there's the Bitcoin having that occurs of course, yep. uh, later this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, it shows. Uh, a lift yeah, plus based on uh, market perception it's set up to do so uh, i think everything's gonna go for a ride this yeah, year yeah. i shouldn't say that publicly but like you get what i'm saying uh, no I, I i totally get what you're saying and Absolutely. uh and uh beyond that um altcoins are all going to grow at that same point um we're building marketing strategies for various currencies okay. that are aligning with some of those timelines and dates we're bringing various types of investors for private sales as we speak uh public sales will roll out later this year in a more secure form of icos in yes. sto format so it, it's all going to spike people are getting more uh, confident around the technology itself and understanding they invested in the bubble. You know, if you invested in December yes. <laughs> 2017 and lost money, yeah. like there's a reason, yeah. particularly if you look at the way everything's grown consistently yeah. since launch, uh, you know, in 2008, 2009, around Halloween, of 2008. So, you know, beyond all of that, um, it's going to grow. It's there. Of course. Uh, we haven't hit a, a traditional market dip, one that occurs. Gold goes up uh, when we've seen headlines like that in the news. Cryptocurrency has gone up. Yep. So again, our positioning in fintech is strategic. Uh, we have partners globally. Uh, have done extensive travel in, in you know, Europe and Asia around key um, hotspots for this. And I could tell you, there's a lot of people on the sidelines in terms of 
Everything from investments on the individual and group level all the way to enterprise organizations that are waiting to roll out their currency, waiting to roll out their technology. Uh, Friends with people who advise governments on this and not just the ones that are speaking publicly. Everyone has something going in the background. Uh, It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. I mean, in the future, America will have a digital currency. I mean, digital currencies are by far uh, the future. Uh, Some will succeed. Most will fail. That being said... Uh, at the end of the day, the emerging technology throughout all of this is very fascinating. For you guys to be at the forefront of marketing it is so exciting because when I got in 2016 um, and then we ta- started talking in 2017, it yeah. was just uh, yeah, just, just, just insane. So um, to kind of bring it back to, your, to, to DNA, what is the next five years like for you guys? Where do you see yourself going? Sure. Uh, $100 million in revenue per year organization, which puts you as a key player for acquisition from a top four holding company. Wow. Yeah. You've definitely thought about that, <laughs> which makes sense, obviously. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, we created DNA not just for any type of liquidity event, such as uh, an exit, um, but really as a vehicle to launch brands. So I'm beginning to partner with uh, companies and emerging emerging verticals, um, both in terms of marketing services and fiat investments, uh, you know, putting cash into companies, um, and again having all of the resources put in place to to launch brands efficiently and to hit their goals successfully via DNA. And so, you know, to be able to to play that role in startups, to be able to have exits outside of service based. Uh, uh, multipliers, which you would see on an agency purchase Mm -hmm. and be able to, um, you know, play a role in these other types of groups, have exits, um, then take those funds, reinvest as an angel investor, build a fund. We're actually having funds approach us to, 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 you know, build something that we can, uh, you know, inject capital into campaigns that are working. Um, that type of role in the entrepreneurship community is going to be DNA. So, you know, the way we're growing as a team, uh, the way we're growing our educational programs, the way we're growing our, our portfolio in the fundraising space, uh, as well as producing revenue for groups in e-commerce and you know B2B type verticals, business to business type verticals, that's all just going to keep growing. You know, moving from 15 to 30 clients to 30 to 50, yeah. and onwards. You know, from there, based on you know client needs, uh, I definitely like operating in a smart way. Uh, there's outdated agency models out there that have been working since traditional media required, you know, a hundred people to purchase from hundreds of different media outlets nationwide. Self-serve platforms eliminate a lot of that. Uh, but for me, it all comes from successful campaigns. So it all comes from providing opportunities to, to clients to scale, which is only based on performance. And, you know, a lot of thought leadership as well. I, yeah. I speak at a high volume of conferences. Uh, I'm in the process of launching my podcast. Congrats. Um, writing a, a book as well, too, that packages a lot of these thoughts. And, like, uh, you know, my whole philosophy towards marketing, which I apply to these campaigns, I, I summarize in, in three words. Test optimize scale, test, optimize scale, test, optimize scale, test, optimize scale. It's what we implement impound into yeah. our team's head to, you know, structure all of our campaigns, convey to clients as much as possible. I mentioned, you know, starting with various audiences and yes. different creatives. We, we look at different marketing channels, audiences, creatives, any, any of these aspects of the algorithm as tests. 
they don't work in every scenario. Okay. Uh, assumptions don't compare to analytics, the sheer numbers, the measurements we have to base everything off of. So if I'm testing and then optimizing towards what's working, trying to optimize what's not working to a more uh, you know, displayable point. Okay. Uh, and then again, providing clients opportunities to scale from there. I'm operating in a safer fashion and one that can be doubled down on repeatedly once it's working. If something's not scalable, if someone writes a great article on us and I got to wait a few months later for some other type of activation, great. It's a vanity metric. You know, <laughs> I'll you know print it out and look yeah. at it in front of a mirror for an hour. Like, yes. Awesome. Like, cool. That's great. I need to know something that the client can scale so that their performance can continue to grow. Again, that's what creates everything over the next five years for us. I love that, man. I love that. Okay, so you said a couple things, right? You said you're going to start a podcast. So tell us uh, real quick what the podcast is going to be about, what it's, it's called. called. Test Optimize Scale. Oh, it's makes Sitting sense. down with entrepreneurs, um, uh, various types of service providers as well, too, yeah. who work with entrepreneurs and talk about their win and what they tested you know, most things don't work on the first try, what they yeah. optimized, and ultimately what they're able to scale to build their positioning within the industry. I love that, man. Yeah. I love that. And uh, when, are you, when are you plan launching? I have the first five episodes recorded. It should be short here. I don't want to put a firm date. That's fine. That's fine. In the mm. ethos. No, but, no, uh, no, no. No, I get it. Yeah. But next few months? Oh, yeah. It'll be, it should be much sooner than that. Okay, good. Um, different working titles for the book. I don't have a firm name on that quite yet. I was actually playing with the name, the, the, the book on marketing that way, you know, when I got introduced, it would tee me up yes. kind of in a fun way. Like, Oh, you wrote the book on marketing. Hey, dude. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and cause you know, you need a cool intro and you're wow. on stage and, and really just starting on the, the podcast with a lot of friends that are speakers and yeah. doing awesome things in the world and you know, the best at what they do. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun creating, um, and again, the, the lack of education, like it, it's definitely out there, uh, but being able to share these experiences of, of groups that have failed and others that, you know, had a pivot or did something to optimize and really get to a point that uh, they, they pushed through and were able to scale because of that is the value, is the message that I want to have packaged for students. For sure. Entrepreneurs, uh, individuals who were very successful with their with, you know, job and now starting a, a new company, uh, people within organizations and they're launching a, a marketing campaign, whatever it may be. But it has to be <laughs> that uh, presence of this may not work. Here's what we're going to optimize if it's not. And yeah. we're going to get to a point where it scales. This is what we're going to do to, uh, you know. Uh, deliver that for sure. I, I think that so many people in the, in this world definitely can listen to that and uh, take a lot from it because with the type of people that you're going to be bringing on, mm-hmm. um, as long as they're speaking from the truth, which they will be, um, you take from that because you never see all the steps that it t- that it took for an individual to get to the point where they're at today, right? Sure. And, and the failure rate for anything in life is super high, right? And especially like in your industry and in the hair industry, it's, it's freaking, it's, it's unprecedented. But at the end of the day, it is the people that did continue to push forward. Absolutely. They optimized and they eventually scaled whatever they're doing in their life. Um, I'm really excited to listen to it. Uh, I definitely will listen to the first five within the first day. <laughs> um, uh, and then, then the book, man. I, I freaking love when close friends of mine, people that I grew up with, and just even people in general that I know, uh, 
put their whole heart into something. Sure. And they've been able to see it from start, middle, and then wherever the end takes them, you know, who knows. At the end of the day, man, looking back at your life, right, there was a moment in time that we talked about earlier that you had this kind of transitional moment. And I, I don't think I touched on it because um, we all go through shit in life. St- stuff happens. But for you, that was a moment in your life, especially talking to you now for the past couple hours, it was a moment in your life that everything changed. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what was that moment? Well, I don't really talk about it too much, but basically, uh, you know, when I was, when I was 22, uh, going through that transition, trying to figure out uh, my career, what I was doing next, and still focused on, on me and fun versus what I'm putting out in the world, um, I lost a friend. Yeah. Um, they passed away uh, at my house, and uh, it was the most traumatic incident in my life. It, uh, it basically um, made me realize how real everything was, you know, and seeing all the yeah. details. You know, you hear someone say something like this, and say, like, okay, but when you know every detail is presented uh it it uh has more of an impact it changes it's uh it was instrumental in my growth because the the days to follow the months to follow were reoccurring thoughts about how precious life is how it could disappear at any given moment you know just a normal day turns these type of things uh into something different and uh you know that that's again been the driving force as i mentioned uh I I never want to go back to where I was at. I um, changed everything about my life to be you know, career oriented because again, it, it's focused on what I'm putting out in the world. Yeah. And you know, to bring it all back around to business, um, you know, I was told business is the the monetization of value. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just the clarity, the monetization of value. So again, focused on what value I'm putting out in the world, not uh, you know uh, as much internal, I find more comes back to you when that is the case. So, you know, you need to set yourself up to monetize everything properly, the right systems, the right business model, but all focused on what you're putting out in the world. Um, You know, could look at it even deeper, like what legacy you're leaving. Uh, Because again, you don't know when you're gone. Like it it could be any day now. So, uh, you know, I go on these international trips, not as worried about sleep you know, focused on what we're creating in terms of partnerships with other groups in these markets, uh, you know, focused on how our campaigns are performing and what needs to yeah. be changed, you know, middle of the night, middle of the holiday, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, you know, it's a, it's a two millimeter difference from the best and people who are great, people yeah. who are good, people who are okay and okay doesn't do anything in this world. So, you know, pushing that extra two miles per hour, that extra, you know, two degrees is, sure. is really what it takes. So I, I seek that out. You know, I, I try to put in, you know, rep 15 on a, a 13 rep on a 10 rep set, you know, like a, you, you really need to push everything further. Um, cause it's precious and when it's gone, it's, it's done. Yeah, and it is. you know, uh, there's reminders of that. I've, I've uh, a few times a year, if not more, uh, you know, heard of other friends and everything that have passed away and of all different ages. So, you know, got to make the most of it. Um, you do, you know, it's, uh, something you look back and say, it could have been you. Um, and, uh, I'm still pushing, 
you know, so you say, wow, it's great what you're creating. For me, it's like, yeah, it's cool. But I'm meeting these like VCs and like <laughs> investment bankers who are managing billions of dollars and showing significant returns for their clients. And, you know, how do I get there? Like, what do I need to do to build a portfolio of like that for, for, for my book of business? How can I come to the table with more of a value add to the next startup who has a hoverboard? Exactly. Or, or exactly. you know, bring it back. something that cure cancer. And wow. I get these pitches, by the way, not the hoverboard, but the cure <laughs> cancer. You know, I get all of these different projects that it's like, wow, I want to do whatever I can to get this uh, in awareness of millions or even billions of people. Like, how do I do that? And that's what I look at as my role. That's what I look at as my positioning in, in the world. And I'm going to be doing business in LA for the next 20 years, 30 years. Okay. Like, how do I build relationships that, you know, we continue to throw the right, uh, you know, value towards each other, the right introductions, the right resources. Um, how do I, you know, have that? Like, I, I never look at any one individual deal. It's always this relationship I'm building and, you know, forming. That's where it's at. That's where my head is. Um, you know, I like Fuck people yeah. who are thinking the same way and having conversations with me about this on, on multiple continents. Yes. That's how I could tell, like, I really like somebody these days. <laughs> it's, it, again, that's where my mind is going. And I know I'm just scratching the surface of a whole nother world past that. It's a, it's an endless game. It is. It is, man. You know, Jason, as we wrap this up, I, I really like to look at your life and everything that we just talked about from you being a young kid in Santa Clarita, uh, you know, starting out with baseball, then getting into like skateboarding and then snowboarding and trying to figure out life and then going away to Mammoth and, um, you know, taking the foreigners around and just having the time <laughs> of your life. And then, you know, th things happen and then you just kind of build up on it. And, and, and now you're at this point in your life where... Um, you're doing it your way. You're living life on your own terms, but you don't ever look at it um, at, you don't ever look at it as if, you know, you don't ever look at it as if this is it. You always are looking at what's next, the next step, and how you can bring value to other people's lives. Yes. And that is so important, man. It, you're not a me, 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 me type of person. You have this heart of gold and you have this just driving force that is going to live on in you for as long as I will ever know you. Mm -hmm. But you do realize that time is finite mm -hmm. and that it matters where so many people don't look at that because at any moment it can be taken away from you. Absolutely. The last question I want to ask you is... What is your legacy? What do you want your legacy to be? Sure. I mean, it's not something I have to find out or given for a lot sure. of thought. Um, you know, for me, it's around everything I said as an inspiration towards others. So your legacy is most left with your friends, your family, you know, as I'm building uh, a larger audience for the DNA brand or even, uh, you know, thought leadership around marketing, um, it could extend there, but right now it's my friends and family. So, you know, I, I, I'm told I make things exciting. You know, that whole transfer of energy is present in our friendships. I'm told I have a way of enrolling people in things they wouldn't normally do. So I, I try to, you know, position that to apply it towards the right areas. Yeah. And I, I endorse that, meaning I want to get people excited. I want to be known as, ah, Jason, you should get me excited about 
traveling somewhere that was just completely unreasonable, you know, snowboarding, going out to the nicest prime steakhouse on a Tuesday <laughs> when I didn't even want to leave like my living room, you know, calling the biggest uh, consultants in a given industry and building a strategic partnership where they continued sending business at us. Like I didn't want to do that at all. He made me do it. He got me excited to do that uh, because, you know, life's short. Why not play at the highest levels, be the best, like, and get excited about that. Yeah. No one likes frowning all the time. No. And no. if they do, I don't, I don't like them. <laughs> I love that. Me, I meaning love like that. I, I want people smiling around me. I want them excited. I want to be pushing them past their comfort level, but in a way that's productive towards their growth, whether that's, you know, just in a personal area of their life, in an in, in exciting area, uh, you know, of uh, their their adventures or, or in a professional context. I think the trick is to have it all combined. Yeah. They say the most successful people, you can't tell whether they're working or playing, they're just always going after their vision of perfection. And that, that's, that's what I play for. That's, you know, what I'm doing when I'm in different parts of the world and, you know, putting together deals. But meanwhile, at like, I don't know, a rooftop on Hong Kong, you know, in Hong Kong eating Wagyu and like hanging out with like some pretty high level, like fun folks. So, uh, you know, that's what I strive towards, uh, you know, progress, not perfection, not, not quite where I want to be at, but at the same time, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's pretty rad. You're on that journey, man. You're on that road. It's so cool to see. And uh, yeah. I'm so proud of you, man. I am so fucking proud of you. I'm so Thank excited you. for everything that you've done. And I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story, opening up, uh, because it's listen to it, uh, that maybe you're struggling, maybe you're just starting out, what, whatever it is, and they're going to find real inspiration in you. Okay. I really do believe that. Um, where can people find out more information about DNA, Jason Fishman? Yeah, find me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm the most accessible. You know, Instagram, stuff like that's cool, but LinkedIn, I'm checking. Jason Fishman, you'll see my name on all this stuff. Uh, DNA, find digitalnicheagency.com. Okay. Um, I'm approachable. Ask me questions. Let's connect. Let's collaborate. All right. All right. All right. Thank you so much, man. Have a good night, people. Thanks for listening back to your story. Peace.